Hi, welcome to One More Dig, Metal Detecting Stories, and I'm Dave Spannenberg. Well, it's good to be back after a couple weeks away. It's been almost two weeks. I've been really busy with work and children and just uh, life in general. Um, but it's exciting to be back here talking to you, and this is episode nine, which I can't believe... I've already recorded eight episodes, uh, let alone starting on a ninth here. But it's been pretty exciting for me. Um, I've had some downloads. It's been great to see that that someone's been listening. Um, if you have any questions, the email address for the podcast is omdstories at gmail.com. Um, I'd love for someone to... You know, reach out and contact me, um, ask questions, and give suggestions for future podcasts. Um, so first, I'd like to to just talk about the last couple weeks, and uh, I was lucky enough to have not only the weather match up, but um, I have some some places I go where the ground isn't frozen, and I was able to dig. Um, didn't find anything super. Um, but finding anything is fun. So I found I found an 1800s button, and I found um, the end of uh, a Victorian um, cane, like the gentleman used to walk around with. I believe that's what it is anyway, a, a cane tip. Um, I found a sheet of lead in a in a really old um, farmstead, and dating back to the 1700s and I know that lead's been used for so many different things over the years especially in the you know before we figured out that it that it wasn't super healthy for you but they used to obviously make it out of bullets or make it into bullets um they'd make toys and jewelry and utensils and one time I even found a point that I think was an Indian point that was fashioned out of lead. Um, it was obviously a little bit soft and and maybe um, unlikely that that's what it is, but it but it certainly looked like it. It was definitely um, cut that way. So yeah, so it was a sheet of lead, and I know back like in the Civil War era that to seal jars, um, they would put a piece of lead over the top a sheet of lead small sheet of lead and so i'm not sure if that's what this was for um i'd like to think that's what it's for but i'm not sure but it was still uh something really really cool to find um but lead used to be used for for everything over um well since it was probably first mined it's been used for different different types of implements that that humans have used. But other than that, the usual pull tabs and bottle caps and square nails and those types of things. But first digging of the year, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, so my main topic in today's episode, I call Mother Nature. And I just thought I'd run down a few, um, a few things that we come up as de 
come up against as detectorists that are dictated um, by Mother Nature and are completely out of our control and how we may adapt to continue a day of hunting, um, some ways that I used to, or still do, with, with my friends, how we used to to contend with, with uh, adverse conditions. Because um, sometimes that's the best time to go so folks don't bother you and ask you questions and people generally leave you alone more if you're if you're in the rain or something. But um, let's start out with hunting and metal detecting in the dark. Um, one thing we used to do long before headlamps, now we all use the headlamps like hikers use and, um, and even certain metal detectors like the Noctomacro Simplex has a built-in flashlight functionality that I have a simplex and, and it's really pretty neat. Um, but back before all of that type of technology, we used to take these little, maybe four inch long flashlights and tape them to either our hat or onto our headphones. And with that, we'd be able to continue hunting in the dark. We used that on land and mostly I remember in water um, we did a lot of detecting at beaches at night after everyone uh, went away and we found uh, found that having the lamp on just extended um, our ability to to hunt into the night um, you could see well enough to maneuver around out in the big open space in a in a lake but um, the light allowed you to see into your scoop so you could see uh, what you found and and uh, if you found anything, generally what you found. Sometimes many, many scoops later, like a pull tab, would, um, so light it would just flap out of there. Sometimes you'd be chasing it around. But anyway, the light on the hat... Um, was, uh, I thought, a great idea. It was a friend of mine that came up with it. It was also the same guy who came up with the idea of taking a sandwich and wrapping it in tinfoil and putting it under your hat so when you walk around during the day, um, you can have a snack and you can keep it dry because we were out there um, wearing wetsuits, so we didn't have pockets to, to put things in. So I even had uh, had one friend, um, Kirk, who would put a, a little eight ounce beer up in there under his hat too, for when he was when he was wandering around. Um, so yeah, that's the way we ha handled sustenance, so to speak, water hunting. Obviously, on the land, you just would have your cooler over at the car or or whatever, and. Uh, and be able to run over there and, and grab something to eat. But yeah, so that's how we dealt with um, both dark and hunger. Um, the, we had one trick where we would use uh, silicon spray to keep 
mud and dirt off of our lesh digging tools and our boots and our loops, depending on where we were. If we were hunting in, um, out, into, uh, out in a plowed field, you could get pretty gabbed up and bagged down with, with mud on your, on your feet and your loop. So we used to spray um, the digging tool, the boots, the loop, shovel um, with some silicon spray. Um, this would keep the mud from caking on our tools and our feet. Um, so that was, that was an interesting kind of uh, idea that one of my friends had um, to solve that issue. Um, many of you are probably from areas of the country or of the world that have ticks. Um, I shouldn't say of the world because I, I'm not certain how widespread ticks are, but I know in the Northeast where I live um, that it's they're a big problem. And we found these items called blousing rubbers. And what you do is when you go out and let's say, well, right when the season starts in May, all the way through September, um, we have a lot of ticks. And so these items, they're like sort of like rubber bands but uh, a little bit wider and they go around the cuff of your pants and they keep ticks from crawling up your pants um, up your pant legs and they also keep ants out and uh, and what have you but the ticks are, are terrible here and you, you think even in October you might be out of the woods and uh, and you get a nice warm spell and they come right back out. And so that's one thing we spray, we spray ourselves for ticks too, but we use those blousing rubbers on the, the pant cuffs and it keeps them from being able to crawl up and get on our skin. Um, now let's get to how we keep ourselves and our equipment dry during rainstorms and, and when we're hunting and in various, uh, various rain situations. Uh, one thing that I always thought was, uh, was ingenious that I learned from, uh, from Earl, most of these ideas that I've been sharing with you are from our, from Earl, who's, who's a member of my, the Longhouse Treasure Hunters team. And so, so Earl came up with this amazing idea of when you hunt in the rain and your headphones aren't waterproof, which in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s they weren't, and, and now they're just starting to come out with them now, he would wear a shower cap, and that would keep the headphones dry. And it looked a little bit silly, um, but like I said, if you're hunting in the rain, no one's going to bother you at that point. Anyway, and he always used to put a bag um, around the metal detector and cinch it up, maybe put a little piece of electrician's tape to, to cinch it up. Um, like a, not a bag per se, but maybe a, like a Ziploc bag that, that's clear and that you can see through. Um, there weren't many waterproof detectors back then. And now there aren't a lot The every manufacturer is coming up with one at this point, but um, by and large, most detectors are still not, not waterproof. 
so that is um, some interesting ideas on on how to keep hunting hunting in the rain. Um, now knee pads, we all know um, about the knee pads and how cushiony they are and how they help um, getting up and down and and being on your knees eight hours in a day or six hours in a day um, can really make your knees sore and bruised and so a lot of people wear knee pads for that um, I don't particularly care about that use for them I wear them when I hunt in an area with a lot of pine needles and pine trees because they keep um, they keep my my pants from getting pine pitch all over them so I don't I don't wear them for comfort I just wear them to save to save my pants from having pitch because I don't know if any of you've ever tried to wash pitch out of out of jeans out of blue jeans but it's it's not an easy thing um, so I'm trying to think um, I last week I talked about poison ivy and I went to the location where I get poison ivy once late last week and I got poison ivy again, a little spot on my other arm. And I didn't even go in the woods. I don't, it has to be something out in the field. Um, but, I mean, the only way to avoid that at this point is to not go hunting in that location. And that's not an option. So I'll tough it out and take one for the team. Um, us detectorists are tough and can handle such adversities as as poison ivy so that's it for today i'd love to hear if any of you have any ideas you can share about helping ward off mother nature to make it easier to detect longer and faster and harder please email me at omdstories at gmail.com and i will share them in the next podcast I really appreciate you all listening, and I love doing these podcasts. I love sharing my ideas, and it just makes me uh, makes me happy talking about metal detecting. So thanks again. This has been One More Dig, Metal Detecting Stories, and I'm Dave Sponenberg. <laughs>